Hey, Chiefs fans, uh, you're, you're, you're smiling, you're happy, and so you should be. Fourth in five years. The Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. Congratulations to all of you Chiefs fans, probably mostly in KC because they're becoming one of the most hated teams, and that's just a sign that you're incredible and you're a dynasty. That's amazing. So congratulations to the Chiefs, the fans, the families of Chiefs players, coaches, staff, people that work at the stadium. I mean, everybody related to or just a big fan of the Chiefs. Congratulations. What a great time. Now we have two weeks to celebrate before hopefully we'll be celebrating Again, we saw some amazing stuff in that Chiefs game yesterday. And so on behalf of all of us here at Breaking the Norm, uh, even as a former Royal, I am so happy uh, that the Chiefs are where they are and so happy for all of you fans that are celebrating on this day, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to us. And if you're not a Chiefs fan, um, hey, hang in there. Don't turn out the dial here. Again, I'm Les Norman, your host, former Royal here on Breaking the Norm. But we have an important show today that is not Chiefs-related. So listen, if you need to turn over and listen to some Chiefs stuff, that's fine. But you can make sure that you go to um, 810whb.com and check this out. We're going to be on um, this coming Saturday. And, and that's the that's the weekend. See, this fits perfect because that's the weekend of the break. There's not going to be a game next week because they're just going to be hyping up the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But this is really uh, an important uh, important episode. And uh, uh, before we get to that, I want to remind you that uh, truckmovers.com is uh, just helping us do what we do. Um, we're in f- 14 years. We've been on the show. This is a month experiment to turn into 14 years on the airwaves. And my thanks to Union Broadcasting and all the other incredible affiliates that, that carry us uh, here. So we thank you, uh, truckmovers.com. Since 83, the nation's leading truck manufacturers and dealers are trusting them to move their vehicles. For a free quote, call 816-861-5444. Just visit truckmovers.com. Nobody moves more trucks. Nobody moves them better than truckmovers.com. So I have shared many times about a little bit about my past here on the show as it relates to mental health. And I'm a big proponent of, of people getting healthy mentally, emotionally, psychologically, physically. But uh, I grew up in an era where if you struggled in the mental health area, if, if you had depression, whether you were depressed and sad or whether you were diagnosed or maybe you should have been diagnosed and didn't, it was just an era and a generation that you didn't talk about it. And when I came up to the big leagues, the physical side was at the top of my game, hitting you know 370 in AAA and just owning that and then getting called up as a rookie. Um, but, but really, even before I got there, wearing a jersey that I was hiding behind because I had so much baggage from childhood and, and so many things that were both undiagnosed, things that I didn't deal with, things that I was hiding from, addictive behaviors that I had fallen into. And so... I get to the major leagues at the height of my physical game, but at the low point in life of my mental game. And it was really a struggle. And you didn't talk about it because there were just so many things and so many reasons why, even though I should have, that I didn't say anything and I suffered. And then when you take being a backup and you've got a lot of time on your hands and already struggling with negative self-worth and not belonging and all those things, well, it, 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 it was a recipe for disaster. Now, you fast forward here and through counseling and, and through my faith and through a lot of having a lot of great resources and support in my life, now life is incredible and great, and now I can step out and try to help other people. I am not a licensed counselor. I'm not a licensed therapist in any way. But during the season, I get to watch the Royals. I cover the Royals for, for here on, on the radio and then on, uh, on Spectrum Sports and Spectrum News covering for the Royals Blue Zone show and, and being interviewed in a lot of different podcasts and, and uh, affiliates and all those different things talking about the Royals. But 
never before has it been more happy for me and more joyful for me to look in the dugout and see Melissa Lambert. Melissa Lambert is the KC Rose Director of Behavioral Science and uh, MLB Mental Performance. Um, she provides support to players and coaches with uh, mental performance. Um, she uh, mitigates uh, the, uh, the, the risk uh, for, for health issues, and um, she was a mental skills coach also with the L.A. Dodgers. And so um, it is great to have her with us. Um, it, I know there's a stigma out there, and I'm going to ask her about this before we bring her in, but there's a stigma out there that if you're a professional athlete and you're making millions of dollars, and people know now the major league minimum is almost $1 million, and, oh, I don't feel sorry. I hear this all the time. I don't feel sorry for, quote-unquote, those people or those players because they have all the money in the world. Look, understand this. And if, you're, if, you, if you say that from a position where maybe you're not as financially well off as maybe a professional athlete is, I, I get that sometimes money could solve a certain amount of problems. But in life, trust me, you trade one set of problems for another, and money is not going to solve every issue in your life, especially if it's behavioral, mental, emotional, if you're suffering from depression, uh, sadness, all those different kind of things. And so it's really important to understand that Major League Baseball now has in place people like Melissa Lambert to help these people with their personal issues, family issues, marriage issues, just every kind of issue. So uh, Melissa Lambert has a Master's of Education in Clinical Mental Health Counseling from Springfield College in Massachusetts, a Bachelor's in Psychology from Eastern Connecticut State. She was an all-conference stud in soccer. Uh, at ECSU for the Warriors. That was 04 to 07. She was even named All-New England and uh, was also an outstanding scholar-athlete. So more than understanding, both from the uh, educational, mental, emotional, and sports physical side, it is great to bring in Melissa Lambert. Melissa, that's a lot <laughs> I just threw at you. So, <laughs> hey, uh, thank you for being on the show, and thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much, Les, for having me on. I'm um, really excited to also learn your story and to be able to kind of talk more on this topic. So, yeah, we Melissa, we don't have enough time in five shows to talk. <laughs> so one of these days it's a cup of coffee or a pot of coffee on me, and we can share that another time. But um, <laughs> So to this point, though, tell us, I mean, I know I listed what it might say on the rap sheet there, on your on your resume, whatever it may be, on the LinkedIn page. But, but tell us a little bit about what you do. What is your job description, um, but in your terms? Yeah, um, a lot of different things. So the things that you talked about, I would say a, a big part of it, right, um, moving, shifting from kind of a clinical world. So I spent my first like, eight years of my career working in trauma and crisis. I also coach sports, um, coach soccer, and kind of continued my, my passion there. Um, and so how that's kind of transferred over, um, I would say the, the work hasn't shifted much. I went from assistant director to director did a lot of work within the player development system, and then within the last year or two have now shifted into a full-time role with the major league team. Um, and I would say the, the work isn't any different. It's, it's making sure that um, players have what they need, coaches have what they need, providing the education um, necessary to, to have a foundation, to have some basic you know, mental performance skills, and then also understanding kind of what behaviors, emotions, thoughts, how that's you know, having impact and performance on the field. And so kind of moving into my second year with the major league team um, and traveling with them, I, I think the biggest difference is understanding the business. You just don't see that as much with player development and don't fully understand it until, you, until you're until you there. Um, I think it's been one of the advantages of seeing 
and working through all the way from, you know, being in Arizona and and seeing player development to now being all the way at the top and understanding kind of top down, bottom up, um, what the baseball system looks like. And so I think now um, kind of a day in season might look like, you know, I I try and split my time as much as possible with how much time spent with kind of hitters and pitchers. And they have player sessions that are away from the field. Um, and they meet with some of our coaches as well. And a lot of that is going to support them and just things around, like, what can we do from, like, a training aspect? How do we support our players better? Um, you know, anything that they might need personally, too. It, it is a high-stress job. Um, and so, and then part of that, too, is also spending a day dedicated to rehab. And so we always have players that are in rehab, a very vulnerable population, so staying on top of that and making sure that they're ready to return to play. Um, so I spend a good chunk of my time up the field, on the field, um, within the training environment, shagging balls during BP, having conversations with players throughout the day. We do have daily kind of huddles within medical, um, different various meetings that kind of go on and, and check-ins so that we're kind of all on the same page and what's needed. Um, not any one day looks the same, um, so it just kind of depends you know, moving forward. And then, and in the off season, we're still, still doing check-ins on players, doing facility visits, um, trying to stay on top of all of that, making sure everyone has what they need. And then a more kind of on the admin side, um, we're working on this year training staff in mental health first aid. So we got, we all were trained in that. So we're trying to bring that next level into our organization of making sure like our, our coaches, um, and even on the business side of the house, that people have what they need and are educated in those spaces to feel like they can handle, you know, if a crisis situation were to happen or if someone was struggling, whether it was a player or another coach. Um, so we worked on that, working on kind of a mental skills curriculum. What are the things that we can help teach our coaches that they can help support players? Um, so it's an ongoing process. We're continuing to develop. When I came on board, we started with two, and now we have a team of five. Wow. So that, that shows within the last five years how much, um, the Royals have valued the department and how much you know it's, it's needed. So is Major League Baseball following suit? I mean, I, I am so proud that the team that I got to play for, the one team that drafted me and let me realize a boyhood dream and gave me that shot, even for a short time in the Major Leagues as a backup player, doesn't matter. I'm so proud that the Royals have hired you and have a team that is working with you and, and backs you and, and assists you in all that you do. Uh, is, is Major League Baseball, are they behind, or are, are, we, are we finally stepping into where this should have been a long time ago? What, what's, the, what's the model here for MLB moving forward? Yeah, and that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think we really moved the needle post-COVID. And so, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to spend some time, um, you know, with various players and kind of learning their stories, right, one being Drew Robinson, I think a lot came out during the COVID year um, from players about trying to manage mental health. Sure. And I think that we immediately kind of stepped in and said, we need to do better, right? And so yeah. it was shortly after that we had a policy that um, all of our players need to have 24-7 access to mental health care. Um, so however the organization decides to do that within their system is up to the organization. I think, you know, we all meet and have conversations around kind of what what is the most ideal model. Um, I would say all 30 teams have somebody um, to support their players and staff. It's just a matter of, like, the difference between a mental health license versus mental performance. Um, some people have mental performance 
um, coaches and then have a mental health team, and they kind of come together with, with one person kind of overseeing all of it. Our model has been all of our mental performance coaches have a mental health license, um, and then moving in the direction next of, like, having credentialing, I think, too, on kind of the mental performance realm. So trying to get better of having a standard of excellence to make sure um, that players and coaches and organizations are getting what they need. Yeah, that's amazing. So back near the introduction, I talked about, and, and this is personal experience, so many people that I have talked about, you see it on social media all the time. I, I speak throughout the country, and one of the questions that I'll get uh, from, the, like, younger kids, what kind of car do you drive? How big is your house? And things like that. But you also yeah. get parents that will say things like, well, you were, uh, you're a millionaire. You don't have any problems. And I remind them, by the way, I only played two years. By the way, my minimum salary was different. By the way, I only played two years in the major leagues, and that was, you know, 30 years ago. So there's a little bit different thought process there. But I think that there's that stigma that if you're a professional athlete, you're you're making millions of dollars. You have the world caters to you. You are this superstar that everybody loves and admires and worships. And so you shouldn't have problems like this. How wrong is that? Because like you'd said, this is a really, this is a high pressure job. And most people say, Oh, well, I don't feel sorry for you. Well, nobody's asking people to feel sorry for, for us. But what we're trying to let people understand is that, there's a human being under every roof, no matter how big or small the roof is. Everybody you watch on TV is still a human being with a brain and still has issues. So how wrong could people be when they say, oh, they've got no problems whatsoever because they're professional athletes? Yeah, and it's it's hard to right? Because I don't expect necessarily anyone to understand because if right. you look at the way media portrays sport, right? Yes, like yes. people like live and die by sport. Like you're talking about the Chiefs, and it's like, you know, the level that people get into it and kind of, like, own their team, right? And so, especially when you get to that major league level, the conversation is often about, like, you're, you're less about a baseball player, like an NFL player, NBA player. Like, you're literally an entertainer. Like, you're providing, like, a service to pe- people. are coming because it, it brings people together. There's a, a social aspect to it, a competitiveness about it, right? So what we see on media looks amazing it's like oh look at so-and-so's got these shoes on and like look at the best outfits and look right. at and it's like unfortunately that kind of goes along with this world of like comparison of like money and this glamour and, and what it's supposed to be um but it, it, it's still being human beings right people don't see like even in the major leagues it's like you're on a plane every three days you're away from yeah. your family um there's a ton of relationships you know, struggles that happen with that. Uh, when they have children and their children are in school, they can't just necessarily up and, and come, right? Like, depending upon how the family dynamic is, it's, it's their identity is all wrapped up into a sport, and so that impacts their relationships, right? So, like, people look at them as a baseball player instead of a human being, and that mm-hmm. includes their family members. Um, they can't get away from, like, I think probably a big difference, too, is, like, because we have so many media platforms, you know, earlier when you didn't have that it was like you play a game that was in the paper and then you could move on and these players can't move on so if something happens it's going to be all over media so you have to have some really good compartmentalization skills to be able to like move on and, and not pay attention to um you know what people are saying yeah um so, so those are those are huge key components in that and i think too it's also shaping kind of this next generation of players and, you know, I think the pressure is increasing more and more. I think some of it is just as a result of kind of our brain development. 
um, the need to kind of be perfect. There's a spotlight on you all the time. You have a shorter amount of time, right? Baseball's changing. The game's shifting. Probably the shorter amount of time that you're in the game. And if you're not moving up, you know, your, your career's going to be cut short. And mm-hmm. so I think all these different things have kind of played a role in what brings about so much of that stress. And to your point, like, there's only amount of money. If you have a short career and you're not investing your money well and you're trying to set up your family, that doesn't necessarily mean you know, long-term success, there's right. still potentially a lot of players that still need to think about, ooh, what do I want to do next? Like, do I want to keep coaching baseball? Like, what would my next move be if I have to continue to support my family? Um, so it just, it's, it's, it's across the board and what it looks like for each individual. Yeah, you know, I when I retired at the end of the 2000 season, I was that triple that A guy, that labeled 4A guy, not good enough for the big leagues, too good for triple A, so I knew... If I was going to sign anymore, the writing was on the wall. It was always going to be AAA jobs unless some crazy thing happened with a rash of injuries. I wasn't on the roster. It would have been a paper move. So I saw that, but I also didn't want to raise children from the road. I was newly married, and I had seen other roommates of mine and teammates that were trying to raise children from the road, and there was divorce happening and estrangement from their children and just difficulty and just so tough. And so, you know, the main reason I'd retired was that I, I wanted to I didn't want to be the four A guy, but I was really still in shape. I mean even at thirty one I still at fifty five still take care of myself and and I'm in good shape and I work out every day, but obviously not playing shape. But the idea is that I wanted to retire because I wanted to raise children and be a present dad. I didn't have that. But I do remember thinking that once I'd made that decision to retire there was this weird piece about me like I don't have to live under – well, I was trading that. Later on, I, I did go through that time, okay, what's my identity now? I was Les Norman, the professional athlete. Now I feel like I'm not myself. And now I, I went through a lot of years where I had to try to figure out who I was. But I do remember, man, I, I'm so glad that stress is over. I, I, I still could have got a job. I still could be playing for a few more years and, and you know making money to play baseball. But it was just that – it's just too stressful. I'm just I'm tired of it, and I think again a lot of people don't understand that there's so much stress, not just as a player, but then when you transition and try to find out who you are, what you want to do with your life, there have been a lot of people out there that that's caused some issues with as well, hasn't it? Yeah, no, you're you're spot on with that. That's and that's a whole other area that I think we haven't even tapped. We know that like players within like two years of either retiring or kind of ending baseball. They're most vulnerable for having mental health issues too, right? And then mm-hmm. you think of the dynamic of just getting back out. Um, we think of it too similar. It's like I don't know if you ever read the book Tribe, but like this concept of like if you're in the military and you're a part of something, right? And you have this tribe that you're with, and that's essentially what all these athletes like every day they spend hours upon hours even though they're with various organizations and moving on they're, they're, the goal is the same right like mm-hmm. you're part of something you're trying to accomplish something and, and win with a group and oftentimes, like when you're coming out of that game it's like okay now who who am I because I this has been my identity for so long this is what I do every single day and then on top of it you're trying to readjust back into kind of a family life and like what does that look like when you've been away and doing traveling um, so there's so many pieces there, and I think that's the hard part that there isn't enough yet for that. That's, that's the next area of, like, how do we support then the transition um, when athletes leave sport because that's a very vulnerable time, and a lot happens at that point. Um, so even, too, it's like we do our best to transition or make sure that players have what 
have what they need, even if they transition to another team or if they transition in sport, then what happens as time goes on and things settle in, kind of out of sight, out of mind. And it's like, well, where can we continue to have that resource to make sure players are getting what they need or they're not hesitant to kind of reach back out like, hey, I'm kind of stuck, but you some support to be able to get them there. So, yeah, absolutely, that's, that's an issue in itself. We're going to take a break. We're visiting with uh, Kansas City Royals Director of Behavioral Science and MLB Mental Performance, Melissa Lambert. Um, the Royals season is coming up. Uh, it is. I, I cannot tell you how excited and happy I am that the Royals have ha- hired her, um, her and her team uh, to be a part of this organization. Um, so necessary. Um, as as we go out, Melissa, as we go out of, of this first break, if there are people out there yeah. right now that are listening, and whether they're an athlete or a housewife or a single dad or whatever it may be, there's somebody out there that feel like, I am struggling. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who to turn to. I don't know what to do. Uh, what advice would you have for them? Because every pressure is a unique pressure to that person, that family, that organization. What would you tell somebody out there that might be struggling right now? Yeah, I would say universally that the first thing is not to isolate. Um, that doesn't mean you necessarily need to go and find a psychologist. I think that's the thing. Like, it, the scary part sometimes is, like, going directly to try and find a professional. It, do you have someone that you trust? Like, who's your part of your inner circle that you can open up and have a conversation with and felt heard? I think that's a big part. Um, people tend to go inward and not talk about it, and we know that often leads to even greater mental health issues. Um, having the courage to at least be open about what's going on and be able to share that with someone. And oftentimes people will be able to lead you um, to other support systems and things that you might need and kind of provide that guidance. And I would say first and foremost that that's most important is, is not keep it to yourself. Um, we're all human beings. We're all going through stuff. And I think we forget that. And so I, think, I think society tends to paint a picture of like everything that it's supposed to be and everything's glamorous, but Every it, we all have our stuff. Yeah, we all have difficult days. We all have something that's struggling. Whether you're a parent, a child, um, it is not easy, right? So um, that would be my biggest thing: is is don't go out just alone. Um, and it doesn't necessarily matter who the the first person is that you're willing to share that you're struggling with. It's just being able to have the courage to do that with someone that you trust. Absolutely, I'm so glad you said that. I always say here in, in life and on the show, behind every face, there's a drama unfolding. Don't assume you know what's going on, and you pigeonhole somebody in your mind, and you think you know, and it's almost never right. So, yeah, please be be understanding of other people. Um, be be compassionate. Have empathy for people. Uh, don't think you know because you don't know. Uh, people are very, very unique, and every situation is different. So when we come back, we're going to talk more and get to know the Royals Director of Behavioral Sciences, MLB Mental Performance, Melissa Lambert. Uh, she's joining us today in uh, truly an important topic, an important show, and we're so thankful that she's with the Royals and thankful that she is here today. Speaking of thankful, thank you for uh, their partnership and their incredible relationship, First Federal Bank of Kansas City. Knowing you're working hard for your money, they just want to know, is your money working hard for you? They'll help you finance an overdue home improvement project, help you with your mortgage, helping you know, showing you how to succeed through that process. It's just what they do, and it's what they do best. So visit them at ffbkc.com or call 816-241-7800. Check them out on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or all over social media. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, better together. Remember, FDIC, equal housing lender. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back into Breaking the Norm. Thanks for joining us today. We're brought to you by Community Financial Services Group, uh, understanding there's market volatility, political landscape. Hey, it's election year. No matter what side you're on, it's stressful and crazy, and it affects finances, whether you want it to, whether you agree with what's going on, whether you don't. There's a lot out there, and, and that's also investments, insurance, estate planning, so many crazy things. But with more than 30 years of investment industry experience, Community Financial Services Group can help you navigate all that for a free comprehensive review call 816-322-2760 that's 816-322-2760 community financial services group is teamwork that you can bank on and now it's almost february the schedules are out they'll be playing in february outdoors it's crazy colleges are playing this coming weekend outdoors in the kansas city metro area that is nuts and so you can go to perfect game if you've got a high school softball player or baseball player go to perfectgamemidwest.org or call 913-543-6116 on social media at pg midwest the best in wood bat for baseball and softball experiences tournaments collegiate professional scouts um, there's such a high percentage of even all mlb draft picks in the big leagues right now that have been part of perfect game uh, events and uh, so uh, my kids when they were playing played uh, so many perfect game events i can't even count so again you can go to perfectgamemidwest.org or on social media at pg midwest our guest today is melissa lambert She's the Royals Director of Behavioral Science and the MLB Mental Performance uh, Director. Uh, she's been with the Royals now. Um, Melissa, is this your, how many years is this with the Royals? I'm going into my fifth year. Fifth year, fifth season. And uh, I wish it would be your 25th year because that means I, I would almost have been, not trying to put you older than me because I'm much, much older, but just the idea of being able to have you there is great. So I want to go, you were uh, an outstanding standout collegiate athlete, scholar athlete, um, and that brings pressures of its own, too. Um, you know, you, you from 04 to 07, uh, you played for Eastern Connecticut State. Uh, you were all-conference, named All-New England, outstanding scholar-athlete. So you were one of the best athletes, one of the best scholar-athletes. That stuff in and of itself can bring tremendous pressure. So when you were in college, before you got your degrees and then got into the field that you're in, um, w- was there pressures that you faced, or did you see that uh, in, in your collegiate career? Yeah, and that's a really interesting question because I, I think about comparison when I played and kind of like, and I know, you know we try and stay away from some comparison, but it's just as society changes, right, and human behavior shifts, I, I think what you don't have when you're younger is sometimes that self-awareness, like your norm becomes kind of what your environment is and right. who you are, and it's right. not till you look back and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Um, and it's fascinating because, you know, my coach, Christian Berzu, at the time, would tell you, he used to use my story a lot with, like, the new freshman class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I very much was one with kind of trait-based anxiety. I was a little bit of a worrywart as a child, um, and so I always had a little bit of anxiety going kind of into anything, um, a little bit of perfectionist tendencies. And that it was a huge transition for me, kind of going from high school to college, a little bit rebellious in high school. That was probably the time when I kind of was like, acting out a little bit more, prioritized socialization. So I wasn't, like, in the weight room. I was a really good athlete, but my priorities were kind of not set, even though I did well in school. And so I probably didn't work as hard in the off-season as I should have. And I got in a tough time transitioning freshman year. Um, I'm an only child, and so I was used to, like, being alone all the time. And now I'm in a small little room, and i got to share everything. <laughs> i got to, like... <laughs> adjustment period and it was like I came in and it was like you get to work like we're doing preseason 
two, three workouts a day. And I just was not prepared for that. And, and I definitely had some emotions. Um, that was a really good learning experience. And we'll, you know, uh, the coach and I will still like laugh about it because it was just like you get it together kind of thing. But that moment was kind of like, okay, like I'm not willing to do this. Like I, I was like, I got to hit the weight room. I need to, you know, but I had really good mentors and great teammates and it really sparked kind of my motivation. And so as I recognized that, like I have a small window to play a game that I love mm-hmm. um, and this is bigger than me. It's, a, it's about my team. And so I channeled that. That's when I really started to develop the passion for actually working out. I had really, really strong um, built confidence through that time. Spent a lot of time with my teammates when we played in spring. It was like I was ready to go. I, I ready to go coming into the next year. Um, but what's hard about it is I didn't really have an understanding of what I was going through or why I was struggling. Right? And it wasn't until after where I'm like, okay, I have a really good understanding kind of who I am. Um, tend to be an overthinker, expect a lot out of myself. Um, but we didn't have access to that in Division Three school. Um, we did have a health center, but it wasn't talked about um, a whole lot. Like, it wasn't something that was brought up when you went into collegiate sport. It was like, oh, we have this mental health service. Like, that just wasn't a conversation. Um, we also didn't have social media. I would say Facebook kind of just started coming out, and it was right. just colleges. And so we also didn't, like, we weren't having the constant, you know, stimulation externally. It was like you went to class, you had your social network, you went to practice. And um, and so I, I do see where that's kind of shifted and where the needs um, for that would have been really important. They just think it just wasn't, it wasn't talked about and kind of unknown. So it really wasn't until after my college career where I really see, like, the value um, of having that. And then, ironically, I, I loved, I've been fascinated with human behavior, so I was, as I was going through all my psychology classes during that time and, like, learning along the way, you start kind of putting things together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I was the first one to, like, I'm avoiding penalty kicks, right? Like, I was not, I was way too nervous for that. Uh, where wow. now, right, from knowing what I know, it's, like, the exposure aspect, like, yeah, put me in that, because I'm not going to yeah. get through the anxiety until I expose myself to it and habituate to that stress. Right, and so, like, now we bring on the challenges, but at the time, I was very avoidant, right? So could could I have gone to even the next level as a player um, if I faced some of those fears uh, that I had at the time? Man, I'm just going to – that's it. I'm going to put you on retainer for the rest of my life. Uh, you just tell me what you charge <laughs> for phone calls. I mean, I, I remember, you know, again – Baseball was rel- – I, I was not a big work ethic guy, but baseball was relatively easy for me. I mean, I'd hit all day. I wasn't a big weight room guy. I, I could run. I was always fast. You know, being bullied as a kid all the time, that's where I got my speed from. I was able to learn, and, hey, you learn from it, and yeah, you, you, use what you, you use what you have, and it made me a great athlete, and so, so that's awesome. But I remember then you get to the big leagues and, you know, you get one at bat every three weeks maybe as the backup guy and the rookie that the manager hates, but, you know, he has to fill that spot on the roster. And so for three weeks sitting there like, when am I going to play? I want to get up there. I want to show what I can do. I don't want to just be here to collect a paycheck. I want to be here every day and I'm going to have a long big league career. And then finally when you're called upon with the bases loaded and one out and you know that if you fail right here, that you're probably going to be either sent down or it's going to be another month before you see the field, at least on the offensive side. And so walking up into the on-deck circle, I just remember, even in spring training, oh, my gosh, if I fail here, I I, I know something bad is going to happen. And that walk up to the plate, 
here I waited and waited and complained and complained in my mind and woe to me. And then I get up there and then now I can't even hardly function. And the game is the same at that level. It just, it really is. They might be a little bit better, but it's still the same game. And just falling apart all the time. I mean, I, I can relate. And so, yeah, I, I'm just going to have to put you on retainer, Melissa. It's just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, okay, so so now that we're older, you know, I'm going to be 55. I'm not going to ask you your age. I think I already know it based on your graduation time, but you're still very young. And so what do you do now? You know, how important is is it exercise? Is it uh, checking in? Is it accountability partners? Is it is it books? Is it what is it nowadays that you do to to stay in shape and to stay mentally and emotionally strong? Because just because you teach it, you're still a human being. You still are competitive, and you still uh, have a lot of responsibility and have pressures. And so, what does Melissa Lambert do to keep herself healthy? I would say pretty much all of the above things. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I have a lot of gratitude for just um, the way I was raised and kind of brought up. I was very much, it was play outside. It was like play until you fall and get bumps and bruises. And, like, I did I did a lot of work with children and adolescents and used a lot of play therapy and a lot of adventure work. And um, so I believe strongly in that. And I, I believe throughout kind of those years um, and having to face consequences, like if, if I made a mistake, I was going to face the consequence, nobody came to rescue me. And so I, I think where that's kind of taken me into adulthood is this very strong belief system of kind of always working to be uncomfortable to continue to build resilience. So anything from like CrossFit and running and workouts and have really been my go-to. Um, a lot of really good research, too, on, you know, the impact of exercise being very comparable to SSRIs for depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. um, a workout is, like, my time to kind of just, like, unleash, have time, push kind of my limits mm-hmm. and see where I can go at times, um, get out of that comfort zone, too. And so that's always been anything from pickleball to soccer, CrossFit, weightlifting, run it, you name it, I've done it. Um, so that's my number one. And ever since coming, finishing soccer, when I hit the weight room, that's, that's probably going to be till the day I die. I'm going to stay active. Um, I knew I liked you. <laughs> I mean, that's all. That's awesome. That's exactly I how. Know. I mean, every day I have to get in. At worst, on the worst days, I have to be in, in on the treadmill. Have to. And I'm not a big runner, but I just know what it's like if I don't. I know how I'm going to feel when I do. And then having a weight room in my basement obviously helps. But but even so, if I'm not working out and, and letting letting the the chemicals pump through and, and get my mind right and, and just feel that, that pump and burn. I mean, for me, it's just so much mental health positivity can come from the physical health positivity. Yep. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, that's been my core. I, I also um, have done meditation for a period of time. I find journaling to be best for me. I'm an overthinker. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts in writing stuff out. I've done the cold exposure work for a while. There's a lot of stuff, too, of things that have that have come out, you know, with human behavior and kind of science and things like that. Like, I'm not going to ask a player or coach to do something that's not evidence-based where I don't believe that there's some value in it, right? So sure. um, it depends on kind of where I'm at in life and kind of what I need at the time, right? So if I'm struggling with sleep, I need to figure out kind of what I need to do from a, a caffeine consumption, how I unwind at night, what that routine looks like, reading, things like that. So 
I would say I have my core foundational stuff that I would go to that I that's non-negotiable. But then, kind of as I've grown, it, it depends on kind of what the needs are is where I where I shift. But I'm not willing to, you know. I think I think is the same as that we would talk about with players. Like we stress so much, like routine, routine, routine. It's like yeah, but things get really monotonous too, and we have to know that we can still perform even when our routine's altered and that sometimes we need different things because our, our body's, you know, evolving different ways, our, our brain, we're maturing, um, our values shift, and so we recognize when we need different things. So it, it, it's evolving for me. It's never just kind of one thing um, that I do. It's just whatever the needs are at the time. I'm so glad you said evolving because by evolving for me, it's getting old. <laughs> it just is yeah. what it is. I mean, holy cow, yeah. the... The difference in how your body responds in your 50s. You've got a long time before you even have to remotely deal with that. So, all right. Well, uh, again, Melissa Lambert is um, our guest. Um, so much valuable information here. She's the Kansas City Royals Director of Behavioral Science and MLB Mental Performance. Her fifth season with the Royals, her and her team, um, just doing a fantastic job. I am so unbelievably glad. You'll hear me say this another thousand times, Melissa, as we get to know each other, but I'm so glad that you're in that dugout. I'm so glad that, that the Royals are one of the forefront teams that are really taking mental health seriously and having somebody like you there. I mean, um, I, I'm all about watching Bobby Wood Jr. hit home runs and, and do incredible things, and that's amazing. And who doesn't want to go to a World Series and have their team and go out on a spring day when it's 75 and watch them play a doubleheader? I mean, oh, beautiful. Love it, love it, love it. But for me, having been a, a former big leaguer, having been – uh, diagnosed with depression, having dealt with so many mental health issues, and now at the stage of my life where I'm through all that and, and, and very, very healthy, but have to maintain and have to be intentional. And I'm a person that that by nature, when trouble comes, isolates. And so I've had to battle to get through that as well. So by far, my favorite person in that dugout every day is Melissa Lambert, just because I know that those players have somebody that is a resource to help them, not just through baseball. It's not about hitting 300. It's about being able to manage life and stresses and pressures and to be healthy. And so uh, that's hugely important. So um, we're going to come back with one more segment here, and it's a fun segment. We're just going to get to know Melissa. I had five questions listed. She knows four of those five questions, but I just added two while we were talking. So just sit there and wear it, Melissa. You're just going to have to answer them. All right, so we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more Breaking the Norm. Stay right there. Hey, everyone. Welcome back into Breaking the Norm. I'm your host, Les Norman. Our final segment here with uh, one of the most important segments, one of the most important episodes that we can do. We're visiting with Kansas City Royals Director of Behavioral Science and MLB Mental Performance, Melissa Lambert, my favorite person in the dugout every day now. I'm just helping athletes, coaches, staff members uh, with positive, healthy uh, just mental health, and uh, just so unbelievably important. But in this segment, if you want to know the the ins and outs and the guts of this uh, segment, you can go back. Um, it's going to be on hnwhb.com next week after it airs Saturday. If you're listening to this on Saturday, pretty soon it is going to be on the podcast page. We're going to transfer it into the podcast mode of the show. Um, Melissa, let's have a little fun. Let's get to know you just a little bit. Um, so you spent some time in Kansas City now. You uh, you know went to school out east. I'm not getting any Massachusetts accent though. I'm a little disappointed in that that you're not tacking like that. I'm, I'm surprised. Yes, I'm, yeah. su- I'm surprised. But regardless of that, hey, you be you. But uh, now that you've been in Kansas City for a few years and in your fifth season with the Royals, what is your favorite restaurant in the Kansas City area? Oh, Q39. 
Ooh, a little ups, uh, upscale, upscale barbecue. I love Kansas City barbecue, <laughs> but every time I go back to Kansas, I'm like, I want to go. I want Q39. That's my go-to. Well, it's it's a good thing you are. Uh, you know, you're still an athlete and you still work out because you get a little bit too much of that. You know, I mean, hey, we're we're getting older. <laughs> You know, so it's a good thing you're still, you know, you still can kind of get away with some of that. Yeah, that's why I keep working out, too, so yeah. I can keep eating the good food, right? Got to find that balance. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes you got to play for par. Forget the birdies. You just got to yep. play for par. Okay, your 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 windows are down. Uh, it doesn't matter who's around. Either you're in a convertible or the windows are down. The radio is up loud. What's your go-to song when you don't care if anybody hears you singing? Oh, oh goodness. I so I don't know if there's a specific song, Rock Girl, In and Out, since I was a kid. Red Hot Chili Peppers is what? my group. Like I don't, yeah. I don't know specific. I'm I'm going. I'm just I'm jamming out. That's outstanding. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I was at a friend's house the other day. He's a doctor. He's an orthopedic surgeon, and he's a an avid guitar player. Taught himself. I mean, he makes guitars by hand. He says, "Hey, what's this song?" And just starts breaking out. Acoustic Red Hot Chili Peppers. So yeah, good answer. I love it. Yeah. So you you said this a little bit. Exercise is kind of your thing. You said you journal a little bit. So I'll go ahead and ask the question anyway. So so how does Melissa Lambert unwind after a long day? I think a big one for me is like post day because I'm a big workout at like five a.m. in the morning, and so nighttime for me is really the music. Um, since now that we're talking about music, mm-hmm. that's a big one. I'm on my way back from the stadium, or I'm I'm listening to music, making sure I have a good meal. Typically, read for a little bit and kind of catch up with either friends or family. That's been kind of my post, especially like in season because we don't have a ton of time. But mm-hmm. it gives me an opportunity to kind of just relax. Um, otherwise, it's just other days, off days, and spend time with friends. Or I also appreciate a little alone time. Shopping, shopping is not a bad thing on occasion. Not so. at all. I love it. All right. Okay, you're a soccer player, which means you're you're a stud and your legs are strong, still working out. If you were in the NFL, what would be the longest field goal that you could make? Oh. What do you think your range is? I mean, pr- providing you had the right technique and all that, I'm talking leg strength. What would be the longest field goal you could make? Oh. I mean, I'm trying to judge. I'm trying not to give myself judgment because I literally sometimes I'm outside with the players. We're kicking a football, and it it goes not straight. Let's just put it that way. Forget the um, forget the accuracy. I'm just talking. Distance. We're going to go sixty yards. Like I'm going to say, we're going to go sixty. Wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> So big as a home. Man, girl, I was I was gonna say yeah. like, hey, forty, forty five. You went sixty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it might be pushing it, but Hey, mad respect. Mad respect. <laughs> That's outstanding. Okay. Now two baseball questions. If you were a baseball player, what position would you play? If the Royals had an emergency and they couldn't get anybody else and they had to sign you for a day contract and you had to pick your position, what would it be? Because you can't kick a baseball. Catcher. Ah, okay. Is it because of the? Is it yeah. because of the cerebral? Is it the toughness combination of both? Yeah, you're you're in. You have to be on all the time. I think like that was when I played softball. I was a catcher for a period of time. Um, I the reason I like shifted away and why I love soccer so much is the constant, the speed. Like it's just go 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 go. So a lot of downtime in baseball. Um, and so when you're a catcher, like, you don't have time to think of. Stuff, it's like you're moving on. So okay. if you break out, you, you got to be ready to get back and play defense and you're be right. there for your pitcher. 
You're right. Um, I, I, for my mentality, catcher. That answer does not surprise me. Okay, yes or no question. Can you hit? I can. It's not pretty, but yeah. <laughs> so you didn't have to add the description. <laughs> it was a yes or no question. I'm, if I, you I'm say honest. yes, I'm trusting. Yeah. If you said 60-yard field goals, I'm going to go with the honesty. You're an athlete. You can hit. <laughs> okay. Final question. Uh, quick version. Not the physical of what you see, but on the, all the other sides. When when Melissa Lambert looks in the mirror, tell me what she sees. <laughs> Hardworking, loyalty, discipline, and a lot of empathy. Um they care about care about people, mm. um, and I think that's been probably one of my bigger values. And so, making sure that I'm doing the best that I can to stay with my values and help other people. Mm. That's that's where my mind's at. Very good, Melissa Lambert, my favorite person in a Royals dugout. Thank you so much for being here. I'm gonna have you stay there to give you the proper goodbye when we get off the horn. But uh, seriously, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for being in Kansas City. Thank you for helping people. You're just living your life to help other people be healthy, and that's a big deal. So uh, seriously, big fan. Thanks for all you do, and thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, Wes. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. And so, uh, hey, when you watch Royals games this year, uh, check that dugout out, and you're going to see Melissa in there and, and just be thankful as a Royals fan that it's not just they have coaches to help parts of their game. They've got the coach to help them also with the pressures, the mental health, everything, and that is Melissa Lambert. If you want to follow, follow me, uh, I'm on Twitter at LNorman22, other social medias out there as well. Until next time, I'm Les Norman. Thanks for joining us today on Break of the Norm with Les Norman. We'll see you next time.